Just saddled up next to Steve Javi, everyone's dream. I wonder if he's weird about elbow room in a bar. Welcome to Spinsters, a podcast where we rack up deflections whenever people bring up MJ versus LeBron. That sounded so much better when I thought of it. I'm Haley O'Shaughnessy. I'm a recovering basketball writer. I'm Jordan Liggins. I'm an editor at Mojo. There is really nothing we hate talking about more, though. To be fair. It's ridiculous. Pointless debate. Why? So today uh, we teased this an episode ago or a couple episodes ago. I don't know. I have not been sleeping because there's been too much playoffs to watch and I'm on the East Coast and oh my God, how do people do this? (laughs) Today we have a feature coming to us from Martin Kessler. He is wonderful. Martin and I have been talking about this for a long time since Mm -hmm. before Spinsters even existed. Uh, he's a fantastic audio producer. He used to work on NPR's Only a Game, and he's currently freelance. So, <laughs> shout out if you're, you know, if you're listening and you enjoy this, which you will, just keep that in mind. Martin Kessler, uh, how important have the crowds been already? So important. It's like night and day, honestly, and you can see that there's a different switch that players are are turning on when they have actual people there to cheer for them. What a wild concept. (laughs) And Harden even said after the first game, after the Nets played their opening game, that it kind of shook him up a little bit and it took him a half to adjust. Mm -hmm. So the thesis of today's show, we're wondering our energy guys, you know, the hustle players, the ones who scrap and don't get enough attention from people. Are they more important than ever this season because the crowds were smaller? But before we get into it, who is your all-time favorite energy guy? Ooh, I think of Draymond Green first. Um, I feel like the crowd loves him. I hate him. He's annoying. But I was going to say, you don't like him. I don't like him. But like the energy guy, someone that feeds off of the crowd and makes other crowds angry at him to use for their for his team's advantage like that is Draymond and it was interesting you know when there are no crowds does that type of player still have that sting like are they still going to hype up their team when there's no one else you know there's not thousands of people that kind of have their back in that so it was cool to to kind of see now in the playoffs and regular season kind of that difference yeah and even in the playoffs there's a bunch of you know, Russell Westbrook, you think of as a a real energy guy, although he almost doesn't qualify for what we're talking about today because he is high profile. Yeah. But I'll always come back to that image of him in the 2020 playoffs hyping up the Houston bench. He wasn't playing. He was in his street clothes and he was just all of them were gathered around him. They weren't even gathered around the bench and he was like (laughs) hyping them up. That is the definition of what we're looking for today. The Patrick Beverly's, the Draymond Greens, like you said, which I love that you brought him up because, you know, he's not your guy, but he is the guy. So that is what we're doing today. Let's get to Martin. Hey, Martin. Hello. Thank you for having me. Okay. You and I have been talking about this story, or maybe I should say this thesis we developed for quite a while. You know, I think one thing that we were both drawn to was the idea that this season there weren't going to be 
crowds or there were going to be very limited fans. You know, some arenas held under a couple thousand fans. Some teams like the like the Lakers initially played with no fans at home. And one of the things that you and I were talking about was like how this would affect the energy on the court, how this would affect the energy of the different teams. Yeah. And what we thought of was our favorite people, the energy guys. Yeah, the energy guy, the hustle player, the, the glue guy, um, you know, all these different names. But basically, you know, the guy who's on the team to bring hustle and bring energy to the rest of the team and, and the rest of the players on the team. And the rebound, Joe Key. Noah bounce back in. Bellinelli's I like my meatball spicy! I'll tell you what I like is the hustle by Joe Key Noah. Joe Key Noah did oh, oh a Dennis Rodman. Woo, into the stands. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he brings the heat. The guy who maybe doesn't have the flashiest stats, but he's the fan favorite. He's the one trying the hardest. He's patting butts. He's diving for balls. He's hyping up teammates. He's rushing down the court on defense, chasing loose balls. Think Marcus Smart. Think Taj Gibson. I love those guys. No, I, I totally agree. I, I love watching those guys, you know, in the same way that a crowd can fuel a team, so can they. And so that sort of led to what we sort of came to as our working thesis, which was sort of the, these two questions. I mean, first was without crowds of cheering fans at, at home, were players actually going to hustle less during games? Like would, would what happens on the court actually change? And if that's the case, were these energy guys more valuable this season? Yeah, we wanted to give some credit to the people who I guess aren't underappreciated because every fan base loves them so much. But history doesn't really remember them as strongly as the guys who, you know, like have the amazing stats and the scoring title. But they're fighting against more than just a lack of crowds, right? Because it's been an exhausting season with a smash together schedule. Players are waking up early, getting tested every day, have late nights. They're traveling everywhere. So we can't just definitively say that the lack of energy is coming from lack of crowds, right? Totally. A hundred percent. Those are those are all really good points and one consistent thing that we know for sure, though, is that every team's home crowd shrunk dramatically. And we know that players have really missed their fans. I ain't got the fans in the crowd. That's what I play for. I play for my teammates. Play for, I play for the fans. That's what it's all about. So if I show up to an arena and there ain't no fans in there, I ain't playing. So they can do what they want to do. There are a lot of negatives to this season, for sure. But it's also presented some opportunities for analytics because we're able to measure these guys' production in a vacuum without full arenas. And that's given us a chance to really define the impact of one specific type of player, the energy guy. Some of these energy guys are in the playoffs now, and arenas are more full, although they're not all the way full. And these guys could still be the X factor. All right, let's get into it. I want to hear what you found. Before we figure out how to measure energy, I want to try to define it. So I talked to someone who was an energy player in the NBA, Ryan Bowen. And just a heads up, throughout the story, I'll be using energy player and hustle guy interchangeably. Okay, here's Ryan. Uh, my name is Ryan Bowen, uh, assistant coach with the Denver Nuggets. During his 10 seasons in the NBA, Ryan got used to hearing odd things from his coaches, like when he was with the Houston Rockets in the early 2000s. I remember one year, you know, playing in Houston with Jeff Van Gundy. He's like, hey, I think I'm only going to play second night of back-to-backs. He's like, first night, I think we're good. Second night, we need your energy. Then there was that time with Oklahoma City during the 2009-2010 season, the day after a loss. 
I know our practice the next day and Scott Brooks comes up to me. Hey, I really need you today. Guys are going to be feeling sorry for themselves. We lost a tough one last night. I, I need your energy in practice. This was Ryan's life as a hustle player, an energy guy, someone whose job it was not to lead the team in scoring or assists, but to play hard for a couple minutes on the second night of a back-to-back, or maybe just in practice to get his teammates going, give them more energy. Ryan retired after that 2010 season in Oklahoma City. He was a true hustle player until the end, which means his stats were anything but flashy. He averaged less than three points per game during his career. Instead of his point totals, Ryan took pride in other things, like sprinting the floor on every possession and crashing the boards for tip-outs to his teammates. He's never been ashamed of being known as an energy player. I think some people maybe take it as a shot to them. Um, for me, it's, uh, it's definitely a compliment and, and kind of happy to be known for that. Hustle players don't tend to get much glory. After all, Nike sells hyper dunks, not hyper floor burns. Boo. <laughs> Wouldn't you rock some hyper floor burns, though? I mean, maybe if I'm Thomas Sadoransky. Yeah, you got to earn them, I guess. That's, that's fair. Couldn't squeeze it. Sadoransky threw Good it off hustle. the band behind him. What a play. Good hustle by Sado. He has been hustling all over the floor tonight. If teams can't rely on fans to give them energy, are energy players like Ryan more important? Ryan's now an assistant coach with the Denver Nuggets, so he's seen what it's like for players traveling around the country, playing in empty or mostly empty arenas. It is tough. There's some nights you're in there and there's there's no energy in the building. And, you know, we're always saying, hey, we got to bring our own energy. We got to bring our own energy. There are nights where it's like, oh, we've tested three times already. We played last night. We're playing today. You know, who's going to be that spark? You know, who's going to get us going? Okay, so full disclosure, I'm a Celtics fan. Apologies in advance. In this season, there was a stretch when Marcus Smart was gone in February. Marcus Smart, for those not familiar, is your favorite energy guy's favorite energy guy. He's the prototypical hustle player. Who can forget his rookie season when Smart dove for a loose ball against Brooklyn's Kevin Garnett, only to toss it over his head to Jeff Green for a fast break dunk. Smart dives for the loose ball. What a play. What a play. Even Kevin Garnett liked that play. Without Smart, the Celtics fell flat. He's the guy who gets them going. But he's also somewhat inexplicable. It's hard to measure an energy guy. That's the point of the story. But it's really hard to measure someone like Smart, because it's not only about understanding statistical impact, it's about the psychology behind it. My name is Alex Auerbeck. I'm the Director of Wellness and Development for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, I'm a counseling and sports psychologist by training. As a sports psychologist working in the NBA, Alex is the guy who can define the undefinable. What is a hustle player? You know, a guy who's willing to give maximum effort and intensity in their role, whatever is asked of them, right? And other people do respond to that. It's kind of like, um, you know, to draw a parallel, it's like running a race, right? Like if there's a reason that there are pacers in running a race, it's seeing those people run fast does help you run faster. Um, and so there's there's some element of that that I think really translates over. But I think a big part of it is just this like total commitment to the role. When you think of hustle plays, what comes to mind are the dramatic moments, the physical moments. Tayshawn Prince blocking Reggie Miller during the 04 Eastern Conference Finals. And it's blocked again! LeBron chasing down Andre Iguodala at the end of Game 7 in 2016. Oh, blocked by 
or when the stakes are really high, Kyle Lowry taking a charge during the All-Star game. But Alex says it's the subtler acts of hustle that are the difference. You know, even just watching the games now, like you do see players kind of hustle for a ball that looks like it's going out of bounds or, or make a great play. Um, you know, I could even think of a, a game a few nights ago where, um, you know, we had one of our own players, um, you know, sort of catch the ball with a couple seconds left and turn around and, and throw up this three pointer with great effort. And it went in and it was like, oh, yes, you know, like there there are those moments where, you know, that that really does matter. Alex says hustle players can even make a psychological impact just by checking into the game. You know, in some ways, it's kind of a pick me up. In some ways, it's kind of a refocusing. In some ways, it's sort of another element of confidence. Like, oh, yeah, that's kind of the ace in our in our hole or that's something we had in our back pocket or, oh, you know, I've been playing for an eight minute stretch. And now here comes a guy in fresh off the bench who's ready to just like hustle. That's a guy who's here to help me. So there's there are those elements of it, too, where. In a sense, it can be a source of sort of like additional confidence, safety, support and navigating some of what comes in playing eight minutes straight of basketball. So it sounds like, you know, because one of the challenges here is that it's a little bit difficult to quantify hustle. Um, But it sounds like you're a believer that like there are players who can bring like in the quote unquote like intangible hustle that that can actually help a team. Yeah, for sure. I I mean, I think. Although it's hard to quantify, um, it's a you know it when you feel it. Um, There's kind of like to me, there's this idea that like just because you can't measure something doesn't mean it doesn't matter. Right. And it does have it does have an impact. And I think like we can all even like in a normal workforce. Right. We can all identify like being in a meeting with someone who brings great energy and how that feels and being in a meeting where someone like totally sucks the wind out of a room and how, and how that feels. And so although we can't quantify what that means, we all know that experience because we've had it. I mean, it's pretty obvious that, say, shooting is important in basketball because it directly results in points. And determining whether someone is a good shooter is relatively straightforward. Just look at their percentages. But how do you determine whether someone is good at hustling? That's been a problem for two big groups of people. The first is hustle players themselves. Without statistics to point to, it's harder to get the credit and compensation they deserve. But for hustle players, that hasn't really been a feasible strategy because there aren't stats to point to. So hustle players are one big group hurt by this dearth of statistics. The other group is team executives. They know that hustle players will help their teams, but they can't quantify it. You just know it when you see it. Jason Rosenfeld experienced that challenge firsthand after joining the then Charlotte Bobcats in 2012 to found the franchise's analytics department. And I knew and a lot of my colleagues knew that there are things that players are doing on the court that help their team win, but aren't captured in the traditional box score and even the more advanced box score. That's something that he worked to change. That's actually really adorable because he's caring about the little guy who doesn't get recognized. I mean, not literally the little guy, usually the big guy, but I love that. So what's his background? Like what makes somebody interested in that? You know, Jason's this guy who's interested in just solving this sort of known problem in the sports analytics world. But yeah, he was also sort of attracted to this more human question or this more human issue of there's this whole group of basketball players who 
just are kind of not getting the attention that they deserve. And he was a guy who actually had the skills to kind of try and fix that. And so he worked for the Bobcats for a couple of years. And then he actually went to the league office and he was the director of analytics for the NBA. And in that job, you know, it's not like he was working to help a specific team try and win games. He was sort of thinking more broadly about the NBA. And so while he was there, he sort of made it his project to uh, kind of try and usher in a new set of statistics to actually try and measure these hustle guys and to try and get them the credit that they deserve. I always think of analytics guys as kind of cold Mm. and robotic, I guess, which is not fair always. But it seems like the divide is people either care about players and the eye test or you care about analytics and you're kind of cutthroat. And this is cute. He he's proof that you can be both. There's some players who really earn their money or should earn their money because of their hustle. And by not tracking things like deflections or loose balls recovered or shots contested, by just looking at things like steals or blocks or defensive rebounds, you're really missing a lot. And so wouldn't it be cool if we as a league office could start tracking those stats that do make a difference, highlight those players, and share this information both with our teams and with our fans? And so the NBA's Hustle Stats Project was born. The first big question was, what stats should be measured? And Haley, before we get to what Jason and his group settled on, I'm just curious, what would you go with if you were trying to measure hustle? Definitely dives. And you get extra points if you go into the stands. I know that's not (laughs) how stats work, but they do it now in my stats world. Dives. And I also think post-dunk screams Mm. are a great energy stat. So that's probably what I'd go with. Yeah, I think this challenge, though, that Jason and his team ran into was that these stats have to be something that can be measured consistently because it's not like one person, you know, like you, Haley, if you could watch every single game and give a score to like how good the scream was after a dunk, then that system could work. But if like everyone, if you have to employ like 30 people to track all these games, not everyone's going to have the same perception of like a scream. So basically they were sort of Unless limited. it's Montrez Harrell. <laughs> then it's always a 15 out of 10. Montrez, former sixth man of the year in the NBA. On its way, the soft touch for the big guy. So Jason was thinking about like, Stats that would be important to actually like winning games, stats that were good indicators of hustle, but also things that could be measured consistently. We ultimately needed to pick stats to track that we thought really mattered to winning in basketball and also would be able to be tracked consistently among a group of loggers, right? If there was something that we thought was a really good indication of hustle, but there was no way you, Martin, could track it the same way as I, Jason, could track it, that stat would be worthless to try to capture, right? Because we're going to have a lot of loggers watching games tracking these stats. So after a lot of due diligence, we ended up settling on a list of stats, which included um, loose balls recovered, deflections, charges drawn, screen assists, and shots contested. So Jason and his team settled on these five things, recovering loose balls, deflecting them, drawing charges, setting a screen that leads to your teammate scoring, and how many shots you can test. Basically, they said these are the basketball things that best embody a hustle player, an energy guy. But that was just one step. 
Next, Jason's group had to define each of the new statistics. Like if you're dribbling the ball in the post and I touch the ball, but it, but it doesn't change what you're doing, you're still dribbling the ball in the post, is that a deflection, right? If I am taking a shot and you approach me, but don't get your hand up, is that a contested shot? So like settling on definitions, writing out these definitions, finding video clips that illustrate what is and what isn't a hustle set took time. It was extremely tricky and, yes, extremely tedious, but they managed to narrow down what each one would be. The next step was hiring people to track the plays. What would qualify somebody to track something like this? Like, what would possibly have to be on your resume? I think an appreciation for basketball would be big, uh, because basically what you're doing is watching a bunch of basketball very, very closely and logging these different statistics and they had to have people to watch every single game if you're going to keep these stats like it's got to be every single game and you can't get them wrong at first it might sound kind of sweet yeah your job is to watch basketball but you're not watching you're carefully scrutinizing every play plus it's not like you can go to espn.com to check your work The things you're tracking aren't on there. You're creating the information for this next level box score. It's also not as easy to judge as a three-pointer or a ball being out of bounds or a turnover. This isn't a thing you grew up telling in your head like you would with fouls. It's a lot of pressure. It's way different watching a game recreationally and watching a game trying to track stuff. It's actually more like a job and hard work than just entertainment at that point. With Jason and his new team ready to go, the Hustle Stats made their debut during the 2016-17 NBA season. Okay, no offense, but did anybody care at first? Yeah, I mean, it's not like uh, people were suddenly tracking like the deflections leader instead of the scoring leader. I think that was still the sexier stat to follow. But at the end of the year, the NBA did give out its first Hustle Player of the Year award to the guy who had the best hustle numbers. And you might be able to guess who took home the inaugural honor. His fans love the way he plays every game with all-out effort, leaving his mark with intensity, fearlessness, and determination. Congratulations to 2017 NBA Hustle Award winner, Patrick Beverly of the Houston Rockets. In 2017, Jason left the league office and became the Lakers' director of basketball analytics. But the league has continued to track hustle. It's something I'm extremely proud of, honestly. Like, it was one of my my babies at the NBA. Uh, I was very invested in it. I spent a lot of time in it. And it seemed, I, I still think, it, a great way to both give credit to players who deserve credit for things they're traditionally not given credit for, help support the teams, and provide cool information to the fans. The fact that the NBA has been keeping track of these hustle stats for the past few years gave us a chance to look at how much players have been hustling during this strange COVID year compared to previous non-pandemic seasons. Enter Dr. Tim Chartier, professor of mathematics and computer science at Davidson College, as well as one of his advisees, Caitlin Welch. And I was very grateful to have their help because this level analysis was way above my head. Dr. Chartier and Caitlin are both part of a sports analytics group at Davidson College called Cat Stats. Davidson's mascot is the Wildcat. Here's Caitlin. At Davidson, I've done probably the most work with soccer, 
but basketball is really interesting to me as well. How about hustle? Is that something that <laughs> that speaks to you? Yeah, honestly, not something I like did a lot of work with before this, but it was definitely an interesting project to kind of think about like how the players who aren't like the big names are contributing. For this project, Caitlin and Dr. Chartier sought to determine whether hustle was down this season, whether those dead environments players have faced this season have actually influenced the play on the court. So Caitlin looked at a composite hustle stat, which basically takes all those different statistics we talked about earlier, like deflections and loose balls recovered, and smashes them together into one sort of catch-all number summarizing how a player scores as a hustle player. And Caitlin found that this season, across the NBA, for all players averaging at least 12 minutes a game, that composite hustle statistic was down significantly. Between last season and this season, we saw an 8% difference in the hustle stat. So that means there's like 8% fewer charges drawn, deflections, offensive rebounds. Correct. This season, players as a whole were hustling less. Wait, are you telling me we were wrong? Not entirely. We guessed players would be more sluggish overall, and that's true. And we guessed crowds were massively important. And that also appears to be true. It would be interesting to break those numbers down team by team. Like, are the Celtics actually hustling the same amount, but the Lakers are down 20%, for example? Wishful thinking. Um, You know, if that were the case, then you might think like, oh, well, then is that because the Celtics have Marcus Smart? He's managed to maintain their level. And unfortunately, like that level of analysis, it would be a years long project to sort of figure that out. But I think that's actually kind of one of the beautiful things about this is that we sought to kind of figure out whether hustle players are more important this season. And basically, you know, even though there have been all of these attempts to quantify hustle, it's still really this kind of amorphous, intangible thing. And, you know, maybe it's actually kind of better that it stays that way, that stays this sort of mystery. So even stats people recognize there are limitations to what these numbers can tell us. There are still so many aspects of hustle that aren't being measured. For example, if Marcus Smart dives for a loose ball but doesn't recover it, that won't register as a hustle stat, but it might still inspire Jason Tatum to try harder on the next play. Here's sports psychologist Alex Auerbach from the Raptors again. I think there's merit to kind of understanding a player's impact when they're on the court. Um, the challenge I always find is, you know, sometimes I think those kinds of statistics are a, a real oversimplification of what goes into sport performance, right? Like sport is super complex and I just am not sure that you're ever going to get a sense like of how much energy or hustle matters or like how much of a factor it really is. I think, again, you kind of know it when you feel it. And I think I do think it's an interesting exercise to try to put some sort of quantifiable level on it. Ryan Bowen, the now Nuggets assistant coach who is known as an energy player during his NBA career, says fans do inspire more hustle plays. I think sometimes an energy guy like myself really feeds on the crowd. Um, I I always felt like I thrived more off of the at home. Uh, Home games to me were more of an energy type game. And this season wasn't so kind to the home team. Over NBA history, the home team wins around 62% of the time. This regular season, 
the home team won less than 54% of the time. It was barely an advantage. The playoff atmosphere is already different because larger crowds are being let in. Ryan Bowen is now coaching a team that has a shot at the championship. The Nuggets are a game away from advancing to the second round. He keeps his eyes on the hustle guys, players like he was, who are looking to make a difference however they can. As a coach yourself now, how has your perspective on hustle players changed? Do you think of them as like more important now or less important than when yeah, you were? I don't, I don't think they can play. They can't shoot. They can't. No. <laughs> no, uh, no, I, I, I um, you know, I really uh, respect what they do and, 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 you know, can see, know how they impact the game. I definitely very uh, appreciative of them. And it's tougher now. It really is. It, it sounds kind of weird, but we don't practice as much as we used to, especially this year, you know, practices are, are kind of, uh, a distant thing, you know, might be able to practice if you have two days before a game, but the, the way the games are spaced, you don't, you don't get to show how you can be, you know, that energy player in practice every day. It's just really hard to do that. So when they do get their opportunity, Hey, you, you know, you might get two minutes, you might get three minutes, go out there and, 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 and try to do something to, to change the, to change the game around. So as the fanless era of the NBA, hopefully nears its end, I think it's fair to start cheering a little harder for the league's hustle players, who are diving after loose balls and sprinting back on defense. They won't be able to feel it right now, but next season, when you're back in the arena, they will. Well, that's our show. You can find Martin on Twitter at martinkessler91. Tell us your favorite Energy Guy moment. Please call us on our voicemail at 502-874-4453 or send us an email at spinsters at bluewirepods.com. This episode of Spinsters was written and reported by Martin Kessler, a hopeful Celtics fan forever indebted to Marcus Smart. This show is hosted by Jordan Liggins and me, Our editor is Alex Ward with production by Alex, Isabel Jocelyn, and Jordan. Our production coordinator is Devin Shepard, and our executive producers are Peter Moses, John Yales, and me. I'm calling from Miami. Love your show. I just wanted to say that Damian Lillard is a good reminder that good things can happen late. Um, I went back to school at 41, and uh, so he and I are basically the same.